Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. Thirty-one, And thank you to Lindsay Owens for standing by. Lindsay Owens is executive director of the uh, Groundwork Collaborative. And the collaborative's mission and strategy is to build an economy that is more equitable and just. They develop new tools and data and research to reframe economic policy debates, tell different stories about how the economy works and who it works for. You may be familiar with her um, name. Uh, Her pieces have appeared in the New York Times and the Washington Post. You might have seen her on PBS and MSNBC. You might have seen her on The Problem with Jon Stewart. You might have heard her on Pod Save America. And before um, joining Groundwork, Lindsay served as a senior economic policy advisor to Senator Elizabeth Warren, and she also served as Deputy Chief of Staff and Legislative Director to Representatives Keith Ellison and Pramila Jayapal. I wanted to talk with Lindsay Owens about the new Groundwork Collaborative Report that finds that corporate profits accounted for more than half, 53% of inflation from April to September 2023, the period that they studied, and describe this as an astronomical percentage. Um, Corporate profits usually drive just about 11% of price growth, Um, in the prior um, four decades before the pandemic. So I am just really glad to have um, Lindsay Owens on for our Madison area listeners this morning. Good morning, um, Lindsay Owens. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hey, so um, for folks who may not be familiar with Groundwork Collaborative, let's just start there, and then we'll jump into the report about what you're trying to do over at the Groundwork Collaborative. Yeah, the Groundwork Collaborative is a D.C.-based think tank and policy organization um, dedicated to a simple premise that we are the economy. Um, The economy is not made up of just Wall Street or job creators in Silicon Valley. It's not uh, just the result of record profit margins. It's the result of the work that all of us uh, contribute, Um, what we um, put together in our communities, what we offer in the labor market, um, and how we support our families. So, the and 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 you're 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 bringing the expertise of economists and and so forth, right? Yeah, absolutely. We have a number of economists on staff, and um, we really try to um, stay involved in the day-to-day debates um, on the national economy. So, tracking things like unemployment and inflation, um, but also um, pay close attention to economic policy debates in Washington D.C. So. Um, fights over tax legislation or um, historic investments in uh, in our country. So now your report says as, as supply chains chain snarls have receded and the economy has stabilized, businesses continue to pad their bottom lines rather than passing these savings on to consumers. So you were looking at how corporate profits have driven. Um, more than half of inflation. So the question, the first question is this link between inflation and corporate profits. Is that real? Yeah, absolutely. So um, inflation, of course, has been falling for 19 months now off its peak um, a couple of years back. But prices are still quite high, as Americans know. Um, and folks are still feeling squeezed by high prices at the checkout line. 
And I think um, Americans are rightly frustrated that corporations haven't shared in that pain. And in fact, during this period of high inflation, have not only protected their profit margins, but expanded their profit margins. And so, you know, we're interested in sort of two questions at the Groundwork Collaborative. One, how did they protect their profit margins and expand their profit margins during this period? Um, and then two, how much did this sort of profit making actually accelerate the inflation and the prices that we all had to pay over the last few years? So on the, on the first point, um, you know, what we see quite clearly is, you know, corporations experienced higher prices themselves, right? They paid a little bit more for labor. They paid a little bit more for energy. They paid a little bit more for commodities that go into making the things they sell, things like wood or, or grain. Um, and they passed those higher costs along to the consumers. And that's how they sort of protected their profit margins, right? Made sure they didn't take a loss. But they did more than pass along their higher costs. They passed along their higher costs and some and some more, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you get a, a world in which corporations are able to chart, um, you know, above, profit margins above historical norms um, throughout this entire period of high inflation. And, um, you know, there's a couple of places that this shows up in the data. The first is um, the corporations have told us this. If you listen in on their earnings calls with investors, the calls they have to let um, their shareholders know what their outlook is for the you know quarter ahead, um, they've been quite clear in saying that um, that they're passing along their rising costs and going for more, and that they expect this to continue and and their margins to continue. The second piece of data um, we have that helps us understand this phenomena is the the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks not only the prices consumers pay for goods, but also the prices that producers pay for goods. And what we see during this recent period is um, inflation rates are higher for consumers than they are for producers. So companies have been um, seeing their costs go up, but at a slower rate than consumers. And the difference there, of course, is that companies are passing along more than just their rising costs alone. And then, you know, to answer this, this last question of sort of how big is this effect, right? Is this, is this pennies? Is it, is it noticeable? Um, you know, we looked at the historical data on the contribution of profits to prices. And so there are a handful of things that make up the price increases that you see, right? It changes in labor costs, changes in input costs aside from labor costs. So that's the, the stuff that you use to make something, the grain, the wood, the metal, et cetera. And then the, the profit component. And, and what we see um, and what we show in the paper, the hallmark finding of the paper, which you mentioned right at the top, is, um, you know, 53% of inflation is being driven by corporate profits um, throughout most of 2023. And, it, you know, if that sounds high, it, it is high. Um, over the last 40 years prior to the pandemic, on average, profits drove only 11% of price growth. So almost a five-fold increase here in the contributions of, of the profit component of price. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, Americans of, you know, who were frustrated with um, the fact that they felt like corporations were, were overcharging during this period of high inflation, they were absolutely correct uh, to, to be frustrated. Uh, they were right. Now, I want to circle back, and then we'll come back, back to you there, that, you know, you hear 
uh, this kind of discrediting of the link between inflation and corporate profiteering. Mm -hmm. But it's just the case, right, that um, prices are the sum of costs and profits. Yep. That's just it. Yep, that's it. (laughs) those Those are the key factors here. Um, and so there's nothing, um, uh, nothing uh, about uh, putting that equation together that should be sus- um, suspected. Now, you, you talk about uh, okay. So the other, the other thing I wanted to circle back to is it's, there's been some uh, uh, good news about um, labor um, uh, uh, and wages going up for some, but. Uh, nevertheless, the um, comparison of the 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 workers' share um, and growth compared to corporate prof- profits is is not even close, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we um, you know, of course, workers have seen wage gains during this period, which is really just wonderful news. But um, as we show in the paper, the the labor contribution here, you know, is is much smaller than the. Um, than the profit contribution. Now you said that you how we know some of this was just simply by um, a, a tuning, uh, uh, listening in to um, these open uh, meetings. Can you characterize that a little more for us? Yeah. So um, publicly traded companies have quarterly calls with their with their investors, with business analysts. Um, and their shareholders. Um, you can listen in on these calls, but also the transcripts are publicly available online, so you can read through them yourself. And I think, you know, Groundwork Collaborative, beginning really in 2021 when inflation started, um, started sort of tracking these earnings calls, um, you know, arguably a bit obsessively, but, you know, we hadn't experienced high inflation in 40 years in this country. And so we really wanted to understand um, what was going on and what was behind it. And a lot of the economists um, didn't really have good theories because it was something that was so new and we hadn't seen in so long. Um, and, you know, the data that the, the official statistics, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, puts out is on a bit of a lag. Um, and so we felt like, you know, the earnings calls are real-time data sources. Let's go there and see how CEOs are describing their rising costs and see if that can give us any insights into um, what consumers are likely to see in the future. And you know, I will say the what we heard and read in those calls was was really stunning and, and jaw dropping in some cases. Um, you know, CEOs were really just giddy about the opportunity to raise prices um, under the cover of inflation. They knew that Americans were hearing about supply chain shocks. I mean, remember early on in this period of high inflation, you know, ocean liners were. Um, stacked up outside the port of LA, we had um, issues with the Suez Canal. I mean, there were there were real supply constraints early on in the pandemic, um, and Americans, I think, were quite sympathetic to the fact that those supply constraints were driving some of the inflation they were seeing. And corporations really took advantage of that um, and and pushed pricing even further because they felt like um, folks would feel that it was justified and not unfair. Um, and we saw that in the earnings calls over and over again. I mean, we heard CEOs bragging about, you know, the team did a marvelous job with prices this quarter. Um, you know, we think we can take even more next quarter. I mean, these are the kind of quotes you would hear on the on the calls. I mean, you can almost hear the you know the champagne flutes clinking um, in the background. And I think um, that's really continued. Um, you know, we've we've seen companies talk about how they're getting smarter at pricing. 
we've seen companies talk about how they expect margins to increase. Um, this one's actually quite interesting. Now, um, many of the costs that companies face are coming down. So in the report, we talk about the case of diapers. Yes. And we look at the earnings calls from the two big diaper conglomerates, Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark, who make about 70% of the diapers, have about 70% of the diaper market. So Loves and Huggies and Pampers and Pull-Ups, all the big household names. And what you see in those earnings calls is the companies are now seeing the big diaper input come down in price. And that's wood pulp. That's the sort of absorbent material that um, that goes into diapers. And their their costs have come down considerably because the price of wood pulp is down. Um, but they're not passing any of that savings along to the consumer, right? They're sticking with that higher price point um, that they put in place as their costs were going up. And so what's interesting to me is actually not only did companies do quite well um, on the way up, they're poised in some cases to do even better on the way down um, because folks, consumers are used to the higher price point. They're not planning to give any pricing back. Um, and some of their costs are falling as a, as a result of, um, you know, shifts in commodities markets. And that's a really good example um, because it's described as a hyper-consolidated industry, right? They yep. control the market on their um, on their uh, shareholders' calls. They are bragging about expanding their margins on their earnings calls, and they are, um, Procter and Gamble is predicting eight hundred million um, in profits as input costs decline. So prices should be coming down. And yet, you know, I, I hear people talking about the cost of diapers and attributing it to inflation and not to price scorching. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, it's tough for the average consumer um, to pick apart these factors. And the first thing I would say is it's not the average consumer's job to pour over the Bureau of Labor Statistics mm -hmm. data to figure out which parts of price increases are justified and which parts are just, um, you know, companies gilding the lily. And so I think, you know, we can we can put aside this idea that it's somehow the consumer's job to, to, to figure out, um, you know, comparison shop for the best price. Um, you know, that's really policymakers' job to take a look at what's happening in the economy and in, in the markets in um, corporate America and think about whether or not... Um, as a country, we're okay with uh, corporations exploiting uh, moments of uncertainty and crisis in the American economy like we experienced coming out of the pandemic, um, or whether we think that those are not um, periods in time in which companies should be running up the score. And this isn't a new policy debate. For decades, um, states have had price gouging laws on the books, um, laws that say things like, look, you know, during a, during a time of crisis like a hurricane, um, you might be able to sell bottled water for $300 a gallon, but you can't, right? Um, and I think um, on, in some ways, a, a smaller scale, we're not seeing that exorbitant level of price gouging. But in other ways, a larger scale, um, this is ultimately the, the um, main uh, suite of products that Americans buy every day, groceries, household items, um, et cetera. Um, this has been um, a, a relatively large-scale, um, you know, grift, effectively, that we've seen over the last few years. And I do think it's time for policymakers to take a close look at whether or not um, we have the tools, the regulations, um, the laws in place to prevent something like this from happening again. 
So just the 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 with a very specific household item that so many people um, need the production of diapers declining or the supply cost declined by 25 percent nevertheless the prices have continued um, to increase so whose job is it to be monitoring price gouging because that's sort of where the solution lies right yeah yeah so I mean the diaper example is is in some ways quite clear-cut because as you point out the consolidation in that market is considerable so you know, Kimberly Clark and Procter and Gamble are in lockstep on this, right? Um, there's no benefit to undercutting each other. Um, they do better in in driving up their revenues if they both um, stick with the higher price points, um, and so they do. And I think there's real questions about whether some of the activity we've seen during this period, um, it, you know, would rise to the level of, of of something we might think of as implicit collusion. And and if it does, there are a couple of of places where we'd, where we'd want to see action. Um, the Federal Trade Commission and the Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice um, can really, um, you know, do analyses of these industries, can, do, um, can, can pursue enforcement actions, can pursue lawsuits in some cases. And so um, I think this particular area is ripe for, um, um, you know, at least consideration of legal action. And, and then also, um, you know, obviously state laws vary but, um, you know, state attorneys general in many cases have the ability to take a look at these types of markets as well. Now, assuming there's a presidential debate, what question would you want to ask the candidates about oh, this? Um, yeah, I think what's your plan for um, taking on the role of uh, excessive corporate power in our economy and in particular... Um, as it relates to the price gouging um, that Americans have seen over the past few years. Great question. I'm writing that down. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, I just want to circle back to the corporations bragging about their ability to raise prices. Yeah. I want to mention some mentioned you um, uh, looked at General Mills, which is our big breakfast cereal people, but maybe other things. PepsiCo, a lot of grocery items there. Um, Auto Nation, so finance and insurance. Carvana. I mean, how they, um, that's interesting, and the used um, car price um, question, um, and then construction materials. So you were very um, specific and, and, and looking at these industries, right? Yeah, I mean, we've, um, we've been on the case, like I said, since 2021. Mm-hmm. We've taken a pretty broad look at this. So really, um, no industry, um, you know, we've looked under, under the hood at, at basically every industry. And, and what we've seen is this is really widespread. Um, it, it's not a few bad apples spoiling the bunch. It's, um, frankly, becoming the norm. Yes. Um, you know, one thing I might add here is I, I do worry a lot that this period of high inflation in which companies really started experimenting with more aggressive pricing strategies, with exercising the pricing power. They may have had the ability to do higher prices for a long time, but they didn't because other folks weren't doing it, because they worried that the consumer might balk. Um, In in some ways, this period of high inflation has been a real-time experiment in which we've all been the guinea pigs as companies have explored increasingly aggressive pricing strategies and I really think, unfortunately, the genie's out of the bottle on this one. Um, we saw earlier this week, um, Wendy's, the, the fast food chain, announced that they were going to be exploring um, dynamic pricing as early as 2025 next year. And 
Um, dynamic pricing is sort of just a fancy term for um, changing pricing depending on conditions. And um, what Wendy's is proposing is effectively surge pricing, which which folks may be familiar with, ride-sharing companies like Uber and Lyft um, surge price during peak hours. Um, but what they're suggesting is they may start charging more uh, for burgers during the lunch rush. And, um, you know, when I saw this news, I, I, I really wasn't surprised because I think what we've seen in the earnings calls is companies are increasingly bullish on their um, on their pricing power and on their um, sophistication with pricing strategies. They really have been running this real-time experiment over the last three years. And because policymakers haven't done anything about it, um, I think they're planning, um, you know, to go to go for broke and to continue yeah. this for years to come. And yeah. I think, um, you know, what might have characterized the American economy sort of a decade ago, uh, corporate America was sort of cost cutting, right? Getting getting rid of workers, offshoring, getting your costs down. I think what we're going to see in this next decade is a focus on maximizing revenue. Um, and it, part of that will be price hikes across the board. You know, Lindsay Owens, when I heard that about Wendy's, so I took it as, well, that's confirmation of what we already knew about these other industries. So it was more how shameless they were about it. And just like they just fully, they expect everybody to go with it. That was, I think, what you're talking about is just how brazen the, they are playing with um, up pricing. Absolutely. I mean, yes. I think there are a few components here. Investors have really liked what they've seen on pricing, right? Shareholders are really happy with the returns to aggressive pricing um, and are effectively egging, um, you know, um, companies on and, and in some cases demanding that this become the new normal. Um, but norms also matter in the economy. And, and the norms um, sort of precluded this type of really overt price gouging. Um, and, and I think this period of high inflation has in some ways really shifted the, the baseline norms around, uh, around expectations of price increases. And, and these companies know that. And I, I think that's why we're seeing um, you know, more and more announcements like, like the Wendy's kind. You know, it's really um, normalizing. It's making it like a, like a sport. And it, it's, 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 it's a bit, it's that this involves humans, <laughs> um, uh, uh, lives and well, well-being. Hey, I'm speaking with Lindsay Owens, Executive Director of the Ground Work Collaborative and the mission is to build an economy that is more equitable and just. They develop new tools, data, and research to reframe economic policy debates and tell different stories about how the economy works and who it works for. Um, so log uh, into the Groundwork Collaborative um, website to learn more about their um, work. There's so much to say about um, Lindsay Owens, um, uh, served as the uh, uh, economic Senior Economic Policy Advisor to Senator Warren, Deputy Chief of Staff and legis Legislative Director to um, Representatives Keith, Keith Ellison and Pramila Jayapal before um, joining um, and founding, one of the founders of the um, Groundwork Collaborative. Thank you so much. I'm glad we could talk this morning. Thanks for having me.